If you know, uh, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, you know that we've been in a series on the life of Joseph. We have, I think, two more weeks in it. There's, there's so much you can say and so much you can dive into in the life of Joseph. But have you ever seen a movie or a television show or maybe read a book where the story was just so compelling, so strong that there were actually other characters and subplots and, and, and sub-characters that you were like, man, I wish I could know more about that person. Like, man, there is so much to this story. This story is so rich. It's so good that there's actually other characters that I wish I could find out more about. And what's interesting about that is you've seen these. You've seen spinoffs. You've seen when they make a spinoff of a TV show or of a movie. And spinoffs can go one of two ways. Like, spinoffs can be really exciting, like diving in, deep dive into a character that you wanted to know more about. Or a spinoff can just be a complete disaster. I'm talking about, like, Joey from Friends... I'm talking about spinoffs that the character didn't quite have enough meat. The character didn't quite have enough depth that it could sustain its own story. And what's interesting about the life of Joseph is that if you zoom out in his life, in many ways, Joseph is really a, a subplot of Jacob, his father's story. But, but if you do what we're doing and you focus in on the life of Joseph, the, the tables kind of turn and Jacob really kind of becomes this sub-character in the story of Joseph. But he's a character that we really cannot overlook in this story. Because as we kind of zoom into the details of Joseph's life, often we miss what's going on in the life of Jacob. Because what we focus on is that the fact that Joseph had a dream. Like Joseph's story starts as being the favored son who has a dream. And so we really just nail down on the fact that Joseph had a dream. Joseph was a dreamer. But the truth is, before Joseph had a dream, Jacob had a dream. Right, Joseph's dream did not stand alone. Joseph came from a dreamer. Jacob was also a dreamer. And if we rewind back to Genesis chapter 28, beginning in verse 12, we see where Joseph or Jacob had a dream. And it says, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. <clears throat> your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will never leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now, there's so much in this dream that Jacob had, but, but the crux of this dream is that God is saying to Jacob, I'm going to make you a great nation. I, I promised your forefathers that you would become a great nation, and now I'm promising you the same thing, that from your offspring will come a great nation. And we ultimately know that, that God renames Jacob Israel, and he says, you will be the father of the nation of Israel. But there's also some nuance in this dream. Because God says to Jacob, I will bring you back to this land. So kind of implied in the dream is that some point Jacob is going to be taken from the land that he's in. That he doesn't just say, I will, I will have you flourish in this land. He says, I will bring you back to this land. He gives Jacob a bit of a clue that there's going to be a journey involved in this dream that he has for Jacob. That he's going to make him into a great nation, the nation of Israel. 
And so in many ways, as, as Jacob had these 12 sons that would eventually become the 12 tribes and would become this great nation that God promised him, these sons were Jacob's dream. Like Jacob could see his dream unfolding in these sons. He could see his seed beginning to spread, beginning to take place just as God had said it would be. So as we know, Joseph goes to his brothers, he goes to his father, he goes to his mother, and he says, I had a dream, and all of you were bowing down to me in this dream. And so Joseph's brothers decide first to kill him, but then to sell him into slavery. And so when they return to Jacob, when they return to their father to let them know that Joseph is no longer with them, they cannot tell him the truth. The truth is not an option. They can't say, hey, we got fed up with your favorite son, so we sold him. That would not go over well with their dad. And so instead, they, they make up this story that, that Joseph has been killed. And so they deliver this news to Jacob. So, so when his sons decide to sell him, when they decide to, to sell off his brother, all Jacob knows is that his son is no longer there. They tell him that he's dead. And, and for Jacob, this wasn't just the death of his son. This was the death of a dream that God had given him that the children that he would have were, were the dream that God would give him. And now the numbers are going in the wrong direction. Like God said, I will multiply you. I will make you more. And now suddenly Joseph, Jacob is found with less. You have to wonder his mindset in this moment. How can I become a great nation? This was not part of the plan when you brought me here. How, how can I become what you have called me to become? I, I thought you were guiding me. This is not part of of what I expected. And in Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 34, we see Jacob's reaction to this news from Joseph's brothers. It says, then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. See, in this moment, Joseph has a crushed spirit. He has a crushed spirit. This week, I was talking with a friend of mine whose, whose wife got really sick this week with like a stomach bug, and it started this conversation of like, do you remember like the sickest that you've ever been? We all have these moments that we remember of just like, man, I feel like I was knocking on death's door. It's the sickest I've ever been. And for me, it goes back to 2010. My wife, Kristen, was pregnant with our first child, Bella, and there was a stomach bug going around like in our friend group. And you know that feeling when you're on like high alert because everyone around you is getting sick and you just know that like your days are numbered. Like you just know like this thing, the circle is getting smaller and it's getting closer. And then you keep hearing like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so they have it now. Oh yeah, so-and-so they have it now. And you just know it's only a matter of time before you have it. And then you start kind of feeling off and you're like, no, this isn't it. This isn't it. No, I'm not sick. This isn't it. This is, I, this is something I ate. What they're describing is different from what I'm feeling. There's no way this is the sickness. There's no way this is the sickness. And then you start to decline and you start to decline. And eventually you have to face the reality that it has you. And this was the moment that I was in, our circle of friends. It was just getting closer and closer and closer. And then we had these friends that lived across the street from us that we hung out with all the time. And I remember when I found out, they were like, Jared and Rachel, they have the stomach bug. And I was like, it's over. 
We hung out with them last night. This is the end for us. We're going to get it. And sure enough, my poor wife was the first to get it. Pregnant, nine months pregnant with our first daughter. And she gets this just atrocious stomach flu. And so I'm trying to take care of her. I'm trying to be there for her. And then I get it. And we had recently moved to the city. And we didn't really know anybody. So we just felt like we were like alone, dying in our home. There's this one moment that we both remember and we revisit from time to time. We still don't know exactly how it happened or what led to this moment. But on day three, we woke up next to each other on the bathroom floor, on the tile. And I don't know how we got there, but I know the circumstances that get you there are not pleasant. And we were just lying there as sick as we could possibly be. But what do you do when your sickness is not physical? What do you do when it's not your body that's broken? What do you do when it is your spirit that has been crushed? What do you do when it is your spirit that has been broken? When you're physically sick, no matter how bad it gets, when you've got a flu, when you've got a stomach, you know that the moment will come when you'll be out of it. You know that you'll start to feel a little bit better and you'll start to get a little more strength and you'll start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But what do you do when it's not your body but your spirit? Proverbs 18, 14 says, the human spirit can endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? So you can get through sickness, but what do you do when your soul is what's broken and hurting? See, I think often it's easier to fake internal brokenness. To, to fake your way through internal brokenness. Because when you're sick, when you have symptoms, when you have a broken leg, a broken arm, a sick stomach, a flu, people see those symptoms in your life. And people can look at you and people can say, ah, they, that person, they're sick. We should help them. They're sick. They need some help. They need some assistance. But often we can walk through life with a broken spirit and no one ever knows. Because on the outside, everything looks fine. On the outside, everyone looks and says, it seems as though everything's okay, but on the inside, there is brokenness, there is pain, there is hurt. This is why everyone is so astonished when people who are known for joy, known for laughter, known for making the world happy, are known to be in deep darkness. This is why when people like Stephen Boss and Robin Williams commit suicide, the world has no idea what's happened because on the outside, we just saw them joyful. We just saw them happy. And yet there was something going on inside of them that was crushed. There was something going on inside of them that was broken. And I think that I'm convinced that there are many of us in this room who were walking around with smiles on our faces. We're walking around looking joyful, but inside there's some brokenness that needs to be dealt with. Inside there is a spirit that needs to be revived. And I notice the words of Jacob in this moment is he says, I will mourn until I join my son in the grave. He's convinced that there is no remedy in this lifetime that will ease the pain that he's walking through. He's convinced that there's no remedy. And this is what a crushed spirit will do. A crushed spirit will convince you that your current level of despair is your permanent level of despair. That there is no light at the end of this tunnel. This is what a crushed spirit sounds like. It sounds like this, this is my life now. This is my reality now. A crushed spirit tells you that your future will be as dark as your worst moment that it doesn't get any better than this. And a, and a crushed spirit can come like Jacob's in, in a moment of tragedy, in a moment of unexpected loss, or a crushed spirit can come in sustained struggles. The struggles that you, you thought that you would be through by now. 
The unhealthy habits that you thought that you would be passed by now. The sickness that you thought you would be done with right now. It can wear us down to the point where our, our spirit needs to be revived. Our spirit needs to come back to life. See, I, I think so often when we find ourselves facing situations that we could never imagine, we, we try to treat it every way except for at the spirit level. But when you have a crushed spirit, everything seems dark. Everything seems oppressive. There, there's no reason to move forward because there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And this is the reality that Jacob is living with in this moment. But see, so often we get lost in the injustice of, jo of Joseph's story. We get lost in the injustice that's happening to Joseph, the, the imprisonment, the slavery, the false accusations. We get lost in kind of the drama of Joseph's story, and we forget that this entire time that he's away in Egypt, this entire time that he's in prison, this entire time that he's serving in Potiphar's house, all that time he's got a grieving father at home who believes that he will never see his son again. And so he's resolved himself to living in that moment. He's living with the weight of that loss. And maybe, maybe you haven't experienced loss on that level, but, but I think a lot of people lose sight of their future. A lot of people lose sight of the future that they thought was available to them. A lot of people lose sight of the relational health that they thought was ahead of them. A lot of people lose hope for their marriages. A lot of people lose hope for their relationships. A lot of people lose hope for their vocation. A lot of people lose hope for their future. You, you don't have to experience what seems like a crushing circumstance to have a crushed spirit. That over time, these small circumstances that just seem to not be working out for you, that seem to be stealing for your future, can slowly but surely begin to crush your spirit. And too often, we allow ourselves to get stuck in our worst moments. And the worst moments of our lives are not meant to be lived in. They're not meant to be lived in. The, the mistakes we've made, the tragedies we've experienced, the loss we've experienced, we aren't meant to deny them. We aren't meant to act as though they didn't happen. They are part of our story, but we're not meant to live in them. See, there are moments in our lives that we have to live with, but we don't have to live in. But we have to live with them. We don't deny them, but we, we don't have to live in them. See, living with your worst moment means they become part of your story. They, they shape your character. They shape who you are, and you step into your future different because of those moments. Living with those moments means you carry what you've learned into your future, but living in your worst moments means you stay frozen in them, and you never step into that future at all. You never step into that future at all because you stay stuck in that moment. And this is ultimately how we find Jacob, that throughout the story, when we hear what's going on in the life of Jacob, he seems to be stuck in this moment. But Jacob's story ultimately reminds us of this, that God's promises are good despite our circumstances. That God's promises are good in spite of our circumstances. See, God does not leave us in the darkness of our worst moments, but he calls us into the future. If you remember from last week, Joseph is ultimately promoted to, to the highest level in the land of Egypt, and there's a famine in the land, and they have stored up food so that people can come to them to eat when they run out of food. And Joseph's brothers who are living in the land of Goshen, they run out of food, they run out of resources, and they have to go to the land of Egypt. They have to go to the very brother that they sold into slavery in order to get food to eat. 
And there's this moment where Joseph reveals himself to them. And it's this amazing moment of reconciliation. But then Joseph says, go back for our father. Go back for our father. Now this has to be a mixed emotions moment for the brothers. Because going back to their father means acknowledging that what they told him in the first place was not actually true. Like this was probably a very long journey back. Can you imagine trying to talk amongst yourself and decide like who's going to tell him? Which one of us is going to break the news? Like is this a real good news, bad news situation? Joseph is alive. We actually knew that. This is not a good moment for the brothers, but it's a wonderful moment for Jacob. And so in this moment, they, they come back to their father and they tell him, that Joseph is still alive in Genesis 45, beginning in verse 25. It says, so they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. Understatement, I'm sure. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced. My son is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision. At night, he said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am. He replied, I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. It said the spirit of Jacob revived in that moment. The spirit of Jacob revived in that moment. And I want to talk to somebody in this place this morning who's walking around with a crushed spirit and remind you that we serve the God who revives your spirit that we serve the God who brings life back into your spirit when the circumstances of life have crushed your spirit. That the, that the circumstances that you are walking in, the pain that you are walking in, that, that, that it is not the permanent level of the pain that you will feel the rest of your life. That, that God actually does restore, that God actually does redeem, that God actually does revive spirits. See, there's some of us in this room who have been living with a crushed spirit and we need to get our spirit back. We need to get our spirit back. We need to let God do the work of reviving our spirit. When God has you frozen in a moment where you cannot see hope in the future, where you cannot see what God would have for you, where you can't see the future that you've dreamed of and the relationships that you've dreamed of, you're convinced that this is your new normal. You're convinced you have to settle for less. You're convinced there's no way out. We have to be reminded that God is the God who restores that God is the God who revives our spirit. Psalm 34 verse 18 says this. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, what you need to know this morning is that God doesn't just save you out of your sin. He also saves you out of your despair. That God can save you out of your despair. Jacob heard the good news and saw the good news that Joseph was alive and his spirit revived. See, some of you need to once again hear and see the good news that God has for us. That, that he is alive and that he is still working. And this morning, I just have a few quick things that I, I want to encourage you with this morning. 
of what happens when God reveals or revives your spirit within you. And first and foremost is this, identity is restored. Identity is restored. I want you to notice something in those verses. In those verses, it says, That when he heard the news, Jacob was stunned, and then Jacob's spirit revived, so Israel set out with all he had. Jacob was stunned. Jacob's spirit was revived, so Israel set out with all he had. Remember, the promise of God on Jacob's life was that he would make Israel a great nation that he would change his name to Israel, and that would be a great nation. And it's like in this moment when Jacob's spirit is revived, he remembers the identity that God gave him, and he steps into that with all that he has. He says, Israel moves forward with all that he has. God had changed his name to Israel, and he remembers in this moment. See, oftentimes when we're in this season of having a crushed spirit, we forget who God created us to be. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget the identity that God gave us in Christ. Christ. And when our spirit is revived, we remember who God created us to be. We remember the promise that God gave us. We remember the name that we were given through him. Number two, faith is renewed. Jacob's response, he said, I am convinced and I will go and see him before I die. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. I want you to notice a couple of things there. It said, he set out with all that he had. He gave everything he had to moving forward into the future God had for him. He did not hold back anything. He did not leave anything in Canaan in case God didn't come through for him. He took everything he had and pressed into the future that God had for him. He took all of the energy he had and he pressed into the future that God had for him. And you may not feel like you have much. You may feel like you have been depleted. You may feel like you have been beaten down. You may feel like you don't have a lot to step forward with. But let me tell you this, God is willing to revive your spirit and you need to begin to step into the future that he called you to with everything that you have. You don't need to step into it with more than you have. You don't need to wait until you have more. You don't need to wait until you have more resources, more energy. Just begin to take the step forward into the future. It says he set out with all that was his. See, when you have a crushed spirit, just getting moving, just beginning to take the steps towards what God has called you to is the beginning of the process that will bring you out. It's the beginning of the process that will revive your spirit in those moments. See, a crushed spirit will tempt you to look back. A crushed spirit will tempt you to look back, question every past decision, sit in your sorrow, stay in the pain. A revived spirit pulls you into the future. Not stepping reluctantly, not stepping half-heartedly, but with all you have stepping into the future that God has for you. With all that you have stepping into the promise that God has for you. A revived spirit pulls you into the future. Don't fear moving forward. Don't fear taking the steps God has called you to. Begin to step into those moments. And then it says he made sacrifices. He made sacrifices. He began to worship. See, you know that your spirit is revived when you're able to worship before you see the conclusion. I love that Jacob began to stop and worship God for what he had done, even though he hadn't seen it. He hadn't, he hadn't seen for himself that Joseph was alive. He hadn't seen for himself that it was all going to work out. He hadn't seen for himself that he would actually make it through the journey. But he learns to worship on the way. 
We need to learn to worship on the way to what God is doing. Often we wait for God to do something and we're like, when I see it, then I'll start to, when I see it, I'll be so thankful, I'll begin to worship. No, we need to begin to worship on the way to what God is doing. When God says, I'm going to do this in your life, I'm going to move in your life, I'm going to come through for you, we begin to worship him as though it has happened. We begin to worship him with the faith as though we know it is going to happen. And that's what Jacob is doing in this moment. He's worshiping on the journey. And some of you are on that journey. You're in that in-between. You're in that, that in-between space where I, I don't see it for myself yet, but I know what God has spoken. I know what God told me to do. I know the steps God told me to take, and I'm starting to take them, but I don't see it yet. You've got to learn to worship on the way. You've got to learn to build up your spirit on the way to seeing the fulfillment of what God has promised you. And that's what Jacob is doing in this moment. So we see that vision is returned. Vision is returned. That's number three. It says, immediately God spoke to him in a vision. Immediately he begins to hear from God again. See, when, when your spirit is crushed, it, it often deafens you to the voice of God. It often silences the voice of God in your life where all you can hear is your discouragement. All you can hear is your pain. All you can hear is your heartache. But when your spirit is revived, you begin to hear God again. You begin to hear God's voice again. You begin to see what God is doing and again. And I, and I love what God says to him in this moment. He says, I will be with you and I will make you into a great nation. I love that because God doesn't say anything different than he's been saying the entire time. He spoke to Jacob and he said, I'm going to be with you. When Jacob had his dream, he spoke to him. He said, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Jacob went through this season of heartache, this season of pain, this season of devastation, this season of having a crushed spirit. And then when he hears the voice of God again, God in his kindness says, guess what? I'm still with you and I'm still going to make you into a great nation. The promise that I spoke to you initially is still good. The promise that I spoke to you is still going to happen. And I love this moment in Genesis chapter 48, verse 11, when Jacob finally sees Joseph for himself. And it says, Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. And now God has allowed me to see your children too. God restored to Jacob not only what he never thought he would see, but he restored beyond what he could ever imagine. He restored beyond whatever he could ever imagine. He said, I never thought I would see your face again. I, I never thought I would see this. And now I'm seeing the next generation. Now I'm beginning to see the fulfillment of the dream that God put in my heart, that he would make me into a great nation. I, I thought that I would never see your face again, but God has moved beyond expectations. See, if you're in this place this morning and that's you, you're in this place where, man, I have had a crushed spirit. I, I have had a broken spirit. I want to remind you that this is the God that we serve. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, you and your children, when they come back to God, your God, and obey him with your whole heart and soul, according to everything I have commanded to you, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land that you were 
promised. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God, your God, will cut the thick calluses of your heart and your children's hearts, freeing you to love God with your whole heart and soul and really live. See, a crushed spirit convinces you that you will never have life again, but we serve the God who restores, who cuts the calluses off the heart, who takes away the hardness and frees us up to truly live again. See, Jacob never thought he would see Joseph again. He never thought he would see a future again, but not only did he begin to see him, he began to see the next generation and the unfolding of the dream. And I know that there are some of you in this place this morning that would say, I feel like I cannot see the future. I feel like I cannot see my way out of this darkness, but we serve a God who restores. We serve a God who cuts away the calluses of the heart. We serve a God who promises life that we can live. I love that it says live, really live. There's a difference between living and existing. There's a, there's, there's a distant, uh, difference between just breathing and being on earth and living the life that Christ has for you. And the promise that God has is it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've lost. It doesn't matter how dark of a hole that you are in. His promise is still good. His promise is still good to restore not just what you lost, but to restore beyond and to give you life, to give you real life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning?